0: Number four. And uh, we've just started here on uh, Ephesians four, and uh, basically what God is teaching us about the practical side of all the doctrinal things that we've been going through in Ephesians one through three. And now we're starting to see the practical side of that, actually, how to live out what uh, we've been looking at, how that. uh, you know all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, and uh, what Christ has accomplished on the cross, and all of those things. And uh, last week we looked about uh, we looked at unity, and how as believers in Christ we are to be uh, pursuing unity uh, because it's important. Uh, because God believes that it's important. I mean, uh, He tells us it's important. Uh, his Son. Uh, Jesus, when he was praying in the garden uh, just before he was going to go to the cross, he prayed for unity uh, for his followers. And uh, basically our our foundation of our text here uh, this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse number 3 to just kind of take us off from that, but we're really going to primarily look on uh, verses 4 through 6 this morning. And the idea is for us to be diligently preserving the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. As believers in Christ, that's what we are supposed to be doing. Diligently preserving unity. And he says in the bond of peace. Uh, one way I like to think about that is uh, it's like the glue. It's the glue that holds everything together. Uh, for those of you that have ever built models before, know that if you start to start putting those things together without glue, uh, they don't hold up very well. Uh, you got to have the glue to hold it all together, and that's what Paul is saying: is that we got to be preserving this, the unity and the spirit of the bond of peace. And uh, here in these verses, verses four through six, Paul is going to describe basically the elements or the basis of our unity. I kind of like to look at this message this way this morning as kind of like preventative maintenance, okay? Uh, Not the fact that we're having disunity here this morning or that uh, people are at each other's throats because one person believes that they can eat vegetables and the other person believes they can only eat meat, okay? We're not talking about that. What we're talking about here is the basis of our unity, why we should have unity together. And I look at this as preventative maintenance because... As believers in Christ, what do we believe? As a gathered together fellowship here, known as Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship, what do we believe that brings us together that we have unity? And that's kind of what Paul is going to go through here in verses uh, 4 through 6. So, as believers, we must be diligently preserving that unity. And so, if we're to have unity, we must understand why we should have that unity. And it's based upon these core truths that are found here in verses four through six. So, we need to be one because God says we need to be one. And we need to be one because God is one. You'll see that here in these verses. So, let's look at this uh, text here Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six. He says, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, notice here how Paul puts that word one before each of his statements. There's seven total statements here that Paul lists in in these verses. And he talks about being one And uh, when you total up those statements, you find that seven, and if you know anything in God's word, seven is usually the picture of what? Perfection. So God is talking and trying to show us something here about unity and having these seven core statements being part of our unity brings perfection in our life. It brings unity in our life. You see, unity is more than just being friendly or having fellowship or being able to get along. The way that Paul describes unity here in the body of Christ here is being in tune with what the scriptures teach. Having unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ based upon the core essentials of God's word. So in our text here... Paul is saying, to preserve Christian unity, we all must have the biblical basis of unity, as Paul is going to outline here in these statements. And we're all going to look at these seven statements here very briefly. And and by the end of this message, I, I hope that you will see that unity should be part of the Christian's life. And it should be part of this church. That's why I say preventative maintenance, understanding that we as believers have gathered together for one purpose. I mean, what what sets us apart from the Elks Club or a bowling league or, um, you know, moms with preschoolers? I mean, what, what sets us apart from that? There should be unity here because we believe something that is essential to our core Christian beliefs. And so we're in unity with each other because God is in unity with us, and we should have that unity based upon what Paul's gonna say here. So let's look at these statements here very briefly. First of all, first thing Paul says, he says, one body. Now, this is a very interesting phrase that Paul uses throughout all of the book of Ephesians. He talks about being one body, the body of Christ. Um, in chapter two, he refers it to as God's kingdom, by which we're fellow citizens. Um, We're God's household. Remember that we're all building up together the body of Christ. We're the household of God. We're part of this body. Uh, We're his dwelling place. We're his temple is what Ephesians 2 teaches us. In chapter 5, Paul talks about the body as being the bride of Christ. But here in Ephesians 4, we find that unity is built upon the fact that we are one body. There's not many bodies of Christ. There's one body. That's it. So why is the body and the unity important? Because it is diverse. You think about all of us here this morning. All of us do not have the same giftings. We do not have the same opinions. We certainly have differences and ideas of how things ought to be done. And because of the diversity of it, the miracle, what God has done is that he's brought all of us together in one body because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And Paul says it's important to have unity because of this one body. And so every person who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ is part of the body of Christ. When you meet believers from different places and different walks of life and you talk to them and you ask them, are you a Christian? Do you know Christ? And they give you a testimony how they came to know Christ. They're part of the body of Christ. That's what God's word teaches us. And so as Christians, we can work together But if we are part of a group of believers or a group of people that deny the fact that who Jesus Christ is or they deny the gospel or they deny what the Bible teaches, um, it's real hard to have unity with them because they're not part of that body of believers, the, the what God's word teaches us. So genuine unity exists among all that are born again by God's spirit And so it's important for us to understand that, that our fellowship, our unity is the basis of that is because we are part of the one body of Christ. This morning we're meeting together as Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship. This building is not the church. We are the church. And we're meeting together as a body of believers. But you know what? We could all leave here and we could go someplace else where there's other people that name the name of Christ and are exalting Christ, they believe the gospel, and we could join together with them and still be the body of Christ. That's what's so amazing about how God's word uh, impacts us and shows us that our unity is not based upon what is on the sign. Our unity is based upon what we believe, that we are part of the body of Christ. So we're one body. Look at the second thing here, one spirit. When Paul says one spirit here, he is talking about the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit, that's it. So the Holy Spirit is very essential to unity is what Paul says here, because this is the basis of our unity. And he says the Holy Spirit is essential to our unity in Christ. But you know, it's interesting that there are many believers that divide over the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Some believe this, some believe that, some take this way, some take it that way. But Paul says here that there is one Spirit. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit baptizes all believers into the one body of Christ at the moment of salvation, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. As we grow in Christ, we, we must learn how to walk by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit is what Galatians 5.16 and Ephesians 5.18 teach us. And so Paul's point here is that true biblical unity rests on the truth that there is one Spirit of God and that he alone imparts the new birth to us. How did you come to know Christ? Christ. It's by regeneration of the Holy Spirit, right? Spirit of God regenerated you. And so we have unity in that, knowing that, hey, this is how I came to know Christ. And when I meet other believers and we talk and I know that they've been converted because they give testimony of the regeneration uh, act of the Holy Spirit, we have unity there. So he says there's one spirit. Then he says this, that there's one hope. One hope. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One hope. What is he talking about? Uh, jump back with me to Ephesians 1, uh, verse number 18. Paul says this, having the eyes of your, uh, your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope of to which he has called you. So there's this one hope of his calling. He's referring to the future aspect of our salvation. You see, there was a time that you received Christ as your Savior, and now that you are living in Christ, you're walking in the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit, you're growing in your sanctification, but there's going to become a time, a future time, When you will see this glorification process where you will see Jesus Christ, you'll be given a new body without sin. You'll be perfect. You'll be in his presence. And Paul's saying there is this hope that we are looking forward to, and that's that hope of our calling will be totally changed to be like Christ and to share his glory and Paul refers to Christ's coming in Titus 2.13 as the blessed hope. John says that when we see Jesus at his return, we'll be changed into his likeness. And in 1 John 3.3, 3, he says, And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So it's that call that saves us, that unites us together. That we have one body through the one spirit and when Christ returns, we will be caught up to, with him to live forever with him forever. And so those who reject him, the Bible teaches us, that his wrath and his judgment will be poured out upon him. And so as believers, to have the basis of our unity is based upon the fact that we do believe that Jesus is coming again. There's a hope, there's a future hope that we're looking forward to. And those that reject the coming of Jesus Christ, there's no unity there. So we look forward to that. Then he says this, there's one Lord. So one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord. Now when we're talking about the Lord, we're talking about the one and only true God. In the Old Testament, he revealed himself as Yahweh, he revealed himself as Jehovah. He revealed himself as the one and only God. There is no other gods beside him. He knows of no other. In the New Testament, he reveals himself as who? Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about that there's one Lord, we're talking about the fact that true biblical unity centers in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, our eternal Lord. If a person or religious group denies what the Bible teaches about the person of Jesus that he is fully God and that he's fully man, not 50% God and 50% man, that he's 100% God and he's 100% man. If a person denies that, there's no biblical unity there. So we must understand that our unity rests on the fact of who Jesus Christ is. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? If you do, then we have that unity here. Because it's based upon what the scriptures teach. If people deny his substitutionary death on the cross as the only means by which we can be saved, if people believe that, well, you know, uh, Jesus is good for salvation, but, you know, I got to do these other things, I got to add in baptism, or I got to add in church attendance, or I got to add in this, or I got to add in that, Um, that's not what scriptures teach. If people sit there and deny the fact of his bodily resurrection, that Jesus died, yes, but I don't think he, I don't think he rose from the grave. There's no unity there. And Paul says that there is one Lord whom we believe. And so we must understand that scripture teaches us what God's word says here, that unity exists because we believe that there is one Lord. And we have unity, hopefully, this morning because we believe that there is one Lord. If a person lives their life and says, Well, Jesus is my Savior, but yet they do not live their life in accordance to the Scriptures, they do not live their life as if Jesus is ruling and reigning in their life, what are we supposed to do? Can you have unity there? Jesus said you will either love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either love God or you'll hate him. That's it. So our unity rests upon that there is one Lord. Then he says this, one faith. In Ephesians 4.13, we read this, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. In Jude 3, Jude encourages us to earnestly contend for the faith. When I think of that word of contend, I think of uh, a, a boxer, someone who is, who is fighting, he's contending and Jude tells us to earnestly contend for the faith, fight to keep the faith, fight to preserve the faith. You see, these are, very, these are core truths that are essential to the gospel. If a person denies the, the, the core truths of what the gospel teaches, there's no unity there. And as believers in Christ, we are supposed to be preserving unity By preaching, basically, that there is one faith. There's not, well, there's many roads that lead to heaven. There's only one. And that's through Jesus Christ. There's not several different ways that that God approves of us. So we must earnestly contend for the faith, is what Paul teaches us. You see, as a believer, we should hold that the eternal God sent his eternal son who took on human flesh through the virgin birth. This God-man lived a sinless life. That's essential. If we, are, if we start believing that Jesus Christ could, uh, that he sinned or, or that he had sin, that is not part of the unity of faith there. There's one faith that was delivered to the saints, and we must contend for that. We must believe that Jesus paid the debt that we owe, that he took the place of us sinners on the cross, that he paid our debt. We must believe that he was raised bodily from the dead, that he ascended bodily into heaven, and that he's coming back bodily to judge the world and to reign forever. You see, we believe what scriptures teach us And by believing those core essentials, that brings unity in the body of Christ. So, if a person does not hold to the one faith, is what Paul is saying here, there's no basis for unity with him and with us. Uh, Part of our thing here at Pleasant Ridge is that we have this statement, these articles of faith, things that we believe. Uh, We believe in the Holy Scriptures. We believe that they are divinely inspired by God, that they are breathed out by God. You see, as a believer, if we start to take apart some of the essentials of what Scripture teaches, the whole thing starts to fall apart. If we start saying, well, you know what? We really don't know if what those people said back in the day. If we, we really don't know if what Moses wrote was really true. I mean, maybe, maybe Moses didn't really know what he was writing. I mean, he was, you know, he's kind of a crazy guy. I mean, come on. We really don't know. Well, then we begin to undermine what Scripture teaches. If we start to say, well, you know what? Jesus is okay with this. Or we would start to say things like, well, you know what, Uh, we can believe in evolution. Or, you know what, we can believe in this. Or we can uh, believe that uh, Jesus and, and Satan are brothers. You see, you start to undermine what scriptures teach. There is one faith. And understanding what that one faith is, that brings unity. In the believers of Christ. You see, this, this, this article here, these, these, uh, the statement of faith, is not something that Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship cooked up. These are things what scriptures teach. And so, if we hold to the Bible and we hold to what the Bible teaches, then that brings unity amongst the believers. These are essential to having unity. Now, yes, there'll be be differences and things. For example, I mean, Paul dealt with that. There were people that believed that uh, you should only eat meat and some people believed you should only eat vegetables. There were believers that believed that you should observe certain seasons or certain holidays and other ones abstain from them. But were those essential to the Christian unity? No. The things that were essential to the Christian unity is our faith, understanding These are the core essentials of what the Bible teaches. So one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. Then he says this, one baptism. Now I believe here that the baptism Paul is referencing here is that physical water baptism. The reason being is because in 1 Corinthians, you had believers that were dividing over who they were baptized by. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of this, I'm of that. And Paul here is saying that there is one baptism. You see, by saying I was baptized, you're saying that I identify with Jesus Christ, not I identify with Paul, not I identify with Peter, not I identify with Apollos. When a believer is baptized, he is saying, I identify, I am aligning myself With Jesus Christ and what He did for me on the cross. And He publicly declares that in obedience by being baptized. You see, we here, we baptize by immersion only. So, as a believer, if a person comes and they want to be baptized, they're gonna be baptized by immersion, they're gonna be dunked under. Those that confess Christ and Savior and Lord only. So we're not here to baptize those that do not know Christ. Only those that have a clear testimony that know Jesus as their Savior, we baptize those. So Paul here in this text is showing the basic meaning of baptism, namely its identification with Jesus Christ. And we should have unity In that. Then he says this last one, one God and Father. And notice this in the text. He says, of all, over all, through all, and in all. So, this last one here, Paul uses the phrase, one God and Father of all. What does he mean by that? Well, he means that God is the Father of all believers. Everybody that names the name of Christ, he is the father of all believers. He also means that he is over them in a personal sense as their sovereign Lord. He rules and reigns over all those that name Christ as their savior. But then he says that he is through all believers in the sense of working through them. That's what uh, Paul goes through there in Ephesians 1 through 3, talking about how the body of Christ is being built up and how he gives to us the spirit of God, which allows us to work together And then he says that he is in all in the sense of personally indwelling us. Remember Ephesians 2.22? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So we are his dwelling place in the Spirit. Now in this last phrase, look at what the last phrase says, what Paul says here. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Four times you find that word all. And Paul is trying to emphasize something to us about having unity together if we believe that there is one God and Father over all. You see, if God is the Father of all believers, guess what that means for you and me? We are brothers and sisters. How does that help us have unity? It means we're family. That means when we have disagreements, we work it out as a family. When we can't get along, we work it out as a family. That's what Paul is trying to emphasize here. If he is over all, then we all submit to him as our sovereign Lord. We hold his word as the authority for faith and practice. If I could say one thing to the young people that are still living at home... You need to follow God's word and his teachings, not rest upon, well, this is what mom and dad believe. You need to dig into God's word and find out what scripture teaches for itself. And you need to submit to God yourself because he is over you and you are a follower of Him. If He is through all, I must trust that He is working through my brothers and sisters as well as through me. I am not His only servant. You know how easy it is as as believers to get to the point where we're thinking, you know, I do a lot for God, and I might be doing this and I might be doing that. And you start thinking to yourself, boy, you know what? If God didn't have me, the whole thing would just fall apart. I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. God is using you and using other believers just as much as any other person that claims to name the name of Christ. And so he's working in you and he's working in me. And that should be a basis of unity, realizing that God is at work in our lives. Then the Bible tells us here that he is in all. So if he is in all, then I must respect my brother or sister's experience with God and I must see God in them. When I serve them, I am serving him. When I love them, I am loving him. And that brings unity in the body of Christ because we recognize that they are on this journey with Christ just as much as you are and you are wanting to have fellowship with them and desire to help them and encourage them and grow with them no believer no believer should ever be jealous of any other believer in Christ if anything We should be seeking out the good and, as what Paul says, remember, forbearing one another in love, not just putting up with them, but seeking out the best in them and seeking out what's good for them and trying to help them and encourage them in their Christian faith walk. So we must respect our brother and sister's experience. So what does all this mean for you and for me? What does this mean for this body of believers known as Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship? How do these verses, verses 4 through 6, help us? Well, two things, and I'm, I'm through. Number one, to preserve unity, we must be careful not to water down, compromise, or set aside these fundamental elements that form the basis for true Christian unity. We are not to join with ones who deny or pervert the gospel. Because I believe when we do that, we send a wrong message. We send a very confusing message to people who do not know Christ. It would be wrong of of us as believers to have in a person here come and speak who denies that Jesus Christ is God. That would be sending a wrong message. And so we must do everything we can not to water down, compromise, or set aside these fundamental elements of unity. One Lord, one Spirit, one hope, one faith, one body, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So we must agree on these fundamentals of unity. Secondly, without truth... Unity cannot exist. Truth is what brings us together. A lot of people say, well, food is what brings people together. Yeah, that's true. But as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, truth is what brings us together. Remember what John said? He said, I have no greater joy to hear that my children walk in what? Truth. So truth is what brings us together. You see, if we get our eyes off truth and the basics of unity, we then begin to criticize, hurt, and damage other believers. But when we focus our attention on the truths of God's word, we then understand God's unique place for each of us and focus on supporting each other. So we must have truth. So are you right now in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Have you gotten your eyes off truth? Have you allowed compromises in, in the fundamentals of unity to start creeping into your life? Oh, it's so easy. It is so easy. Jesus told us before he died, he says, there's going to be people. There's, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Paul told us that there were going to be wolves that were going to come in sheep's clothing. Side note here, you never find a sheep dressing up as a wolf, but you always find a wolf dressing up as a sheep, okay? That's very important to understand that. So there are wolves out there, sometimes even in Christian churches, that will try to bring disunity among the believers. And what they teach, what they say. So it's important to understand, what does God's word teach? Never take my word for what the Bible teaches. I encourage you, don't do that. Search the scriptures, find out if what I say is true. Let's pray together.